Swamiji, how can we find meaning in our own lives in an apparently meaningless universe? You know, a man in Australia, after a lecture of mine, he says, well, you keep talking about God. What have you got to say to me? I'm an atheist. And I paused a moment. I said, why did you think of God as the highest potential you can imagine for yourself? And I think that that's what we can ascribe to the universe and to our lives. Nobody knows the absolute as long as he's living in relative consciousness, relative happiness, relative unhappiness, and so on. And uh, yet we all know that there's something that we can do and become that is better than we are. Think of that as the meaning of life. If you can think of nothing but food as the best, best thing for you, then go ahead and eat. The thing is, sooner or later, you'll discover that overeating gives you a stomachache and you begin to realize that there's got to be something else besides eating. And so it is that we go through many lifetimes. But in each lifetime, that is meaningful, which inspires us to become more fulfilled human beings. And we discover soon enough in our searching that fulfillment does not come through the senses. Fulfillment comes through being better people, more kindly, more generous, more self-sacrificing, more sharing, all of these things. So it's a vague concept in a sense, but very specific in another, because you can see that indeed, as the teaching of the Bhagavad Gita is, there's this constant war between our higher and our lower self, and we have to Fight that battle if we are ever to get out. People who say, well, I'd, I'd rather not fight, they never find fulfillment. We have to win. I'm not a pacifist, but I won't go to war unless, I mean, at my age, I would be pretty useless to have me on any battlefield. But if I were young and strong, and I strongly believed that a cause was right, I would fight for it. But I believe that the highest cause is truth. And that is what I have made my life, my war, to help people to understand the truth of their own nature. Swamiji, um, so would it be correct to say that there is not an abstract meaning to the universe, but there is meaning that we can ascribe to it in our own perspective? The actual meaning they say that God created the universe in order that he might enjoy himself through many. My answer to that is, there can't be much joy in the suffering that God sees in the universe. I think that there has to be a deeper meaning to that, that God um, created everything out of his bliss, but just like a, a, a novel, if somebody is born on the right side of the track into a wealthy home, gets a good education without even wanting it, gets a job, quickly goes to the top of the company because his father is a friend of the boss, marries the boss's daughter, inherits the boss's home. I think long before the end of that novel, you'd put it down saying, what a bore. <laughs> but if that same young man had been born on the wrong side of the tracks, let's say, and had been born to poverty and deprivation, and somehow struggled and worked, and all the ending could be the same. And you say, what a good story. And so it is that the joy that God experiences in our lives 
is not the the uh, difficulties of the plot, but the fact that everybody sooner or later has to come out of his ignorance into the light of wisdom. Everybody has to realize that the essence of life in the end is joy. There is no saint who ever lived who after finding God said, what a scam. <laughs> they have all said, this is the purpose of life. So in that you can say God is enjoying himself through many. And you can say too, that the nature of bliss is naturally to create, but that creation has to resolve itself finally in bliss. Are you saying then, Swami, that the destiny of every individual soul is to find God? It cannot be different. Everything came from God. Everything is his dream. The end of all seeking can only be to realize that everything we ever wanted was that bliss in him. This is Sanatana Dharma, the eternal religion. It has to be the religion of the most, on the most distant planet in the most distant galaxy. It can't be any other. Swamiji, so are you saying then that even though the universe appears meaningless, it is ordered by the divine? Yes, of course I'm saying that. God made it all. God dreamed it all. God is at the center of every atom, the center of all vibration. Everything is meaningful in that sense, but you can't give it a logical meaning that will really hold up. He made it so clever. I, somebody uh, asked the question, um, did God really uh, mean this world? How did he ask that question? Is it so difficult to understand? And Yogananda answered, of course it's difficult to understand. A good playwright won't give you an obvious plot. He'll have all sorts of red herrings and difficulties, and you'll have to figure it out. So, of course it's difficult to understand. And the meaning that people ascribe to it is inevitably the wrong meaning until they understand that the bliss is the final goal of everything. But if we look at the stars and see a scrawl instead of a script... That's because we're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but Swamiji, um, a breeze blows across the leaves and I'm walking nearby and it comes across my face. Can I find meaning in that? I mean, is there a message in that? You know, I've actually used that as a meditation. I've, I've taken long walks by myself and every time I feel a breeze, I feel that God is in that breeze. And every time I hear of dog barking, I feel God is saying something through that dog. And every time I hear a car going by or see a car going by, I think God is in that form. And I find that gradually the feeling comes very strongly to me that everything is a symphony of God. Every sound, every vibration, everything is his symphony. And we hear cacophony because we only hear a few measures and don't see how they're resolved. Physicists say that uh, it's only through our senses that we perceive matter the way it is, and that really everything is an energy soup. Yes. We're just moving through that. Yeah. And It's true. I mean, you've said it. Yeah. Everything matter. This is the beautiful thing about living now. 200 years ago, 
people didn't know that matter was uh, really only energy in a certain state of vibration. And it was very difficult to feel that we are just dreams of God. I know that a scientist, I forget which one, but a very well-known scientist in England, I think, said in the in 19th century, if you can't give me a model of it, I can't accept it. Well, there's no model in this universe. You can't make a model of it. And uh, scientists in our, in our times have gone so far as to say, everything looks like this energy is just thoughts. And that thought is just consciousness. I myself, when I reached the point, because I didn't want to believe in, in God, I couldn't believe the God that the churches were giving me. I couldn't believe that he was going to be judging me for making what, in, in fact, <clears throat> he had almost loaded the dice to make, a, make me make mistakes. And how could he get angry if I did make mistakes? And uh, then I finally realized that God has to be consciousness. And my consciousness must be a part of his consciousness. And if that's the case, then the goal of my life has to be to attune my consciousness more perfectly to his. So Swamiji, in answer to those physicists saying that we move through an energy soup, would it be correct to say we move through a God consciousness? Yes, the energy is a part of God's consciousness too. And of course in soup there are peas and <laughs> carrots. And <laughs> but they're... they're view of things when you look at things from outside and you never can understand it. That's why I've used this illustration of a lake frozen over. If you try to go through the, through the ice by pressing on the whole thing, you'll never get there. Press inside your own self. Scientists try to be so objective that they leave out the one thing that is absolutely essential to understand. If you don't understand yourself, you can't understand anything. And scientists, in their effort to be objective, um, reject the one thing they need to know before they can understand anything. To the extent that they understand themselves, will they understand the universe? Not without that. A turtle could look at a beautiful sunset and only wonder if it was good to eat. <laughs> so um, scientists go too far in their effort to exclude the subjective. The subjective and the objective have to come together. So if a scientist... A scientist who's drunk cannot understand his own theorems. Mm -hmm. yeah. So if a scientist is to perceive truth, he has to perceive it here first before he'll see it outside of himself. He can find facts outside, but they won't give him an understanding of what truth is about. I, I wanted, again... When I was 13 years old, I wanted to become an astronomer because I thought if I understand the stars, I'll know what truth is. But I gradually came to understand that truth cannot be some abstract fact. Truth has to be something that's meaningful to me. And what is meaningful to me? That which gives me inspiration. And so I sought truth beyond science until finally I came to understand that truth is has to be God. Truth has the inspiration. First I sought it through the arts, through music, poetry, painting, sculpture, all those things. But I saw that um, even the Nazis, they were 
um, many of them were connoisseurs of great art. Mm. They stole it, but they knew that it was good, and yet look what they could do. Mm. Art doesn't do it. You have to have some truth behind it. There has to be some thought of purpose, and that purpose finally, without God you can have no purpose. I reached that point where I saw that every avenue of life is a dead end unless we accept in some way the concept of God. And God cannot be an old man like the person behind the altar in the Sistine Chapel just getting ready to damn all the poor wretched sinners. God has to be consciousness and our consciousness must be a part of that. People in science try to tell us that computers will someday be intelligent to campaign for computer rights. Self-consciousness is science, something science cannot give you, something a worm has, mm -hmm. but no robot or computer can ever have.